I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm not turning back, Jesus. When I think of that word wait, I think of two things. One is, I'm not going and looking elsewhere, but I'm going to keep serving God. I'm not just going to stand here and say, okay, God, here's the problem, and, and okay, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to hold off just for a minute before I do my own solution. No, not that. But God, I'm going to keep living for you, even though right now it doesn't make sense. That weight, that serving kind of weight. You might think of it in terms of um, when you go to the, the restaurant and somebody waits on you. They're serving you. They're not just standing at your table saying, give me an order. They're like, may I get you anything? Here's what we have. I'm here to serve you. God, I'm here for you. That turning back right there, um, we're telling God, I'm not turning back. But there's one turning back you do need to tell God. And that is, God, I'm turning my back on sin. And I'm not turning anymore away from you. I'm not turning my... I'm not turning back now, Jesus. I'm here for you. I'm turning my back on sin. Hallelujah. Well, I think all the kids are out over that way. Youth, you're going to be able to be dismissed right here. And I have one other announcement. I have ready or not, here he comes. Bishop's book is out. And right now, if you want to give, purchase this book to give away because you want to give it to someone to reach into their life, it is costing you $5. Normally it would be like, I think, 15 bucks. It's $5 for a limited time only. He was able to get the price down as he got this one published. And that way you can give it to some friends. I know some folks out here were looking to give it away. So that way people who are interested in the end times would be able to grasp this book and, uh, and give it away as a gift. You may go ahead and be seated. I should have done that to you sooner, right? All right. Well, this week, we once again are in the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And given that the month of, we have, I think next week, Lonnie Vestal is going to be here, a missionary um, to, if I can say the name right, Vuata. Vuata, I have to look that up to make sure. But we are in the book of Isaiah, and then we will have one more lesson out of Isaiah at the end of the month. Um, last week I came to you and I talked to you about a couple of kings, um, Hezekiah, and I talked to you um, about, uh, about Ahaz, and we talked about how Isaiah had come and he had delivered the word of the Lord, how Isaiah had gotten into the, the presence of God, and how that God let them know that he had the battle. They had the battle. They had made preparations. Both of them made preparations. Both of them said, hey, we got to do something about the enemy here. And God let them know that they had it, but they needed to trust God. They needed to trust God. This week, I actually wanted to take a journey down some messianic prophecies and, and talk just a little bit about Jesus. And I'm thinking here at the end of the month we'll go further with some of these prophecies. Isaiah has a large number of prophecies concerning Jesus. Large number of prophecies concerning Jesus. And so I, I want to go ahead and kick off with Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1, and then we will drop back down to Isaiah chapter, chapter 9. 
And then we'll take a journey through the book of Isaiah. But Isaiah chapter 53 verse 1 says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? And when I think of this word, the arm, or this phrase, the word of the arm of the Lord, I think of his power, or I even think of the right hand of God. God's might, his power, his authority. And I see Isaiah saying, who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? We'll be hitting on that later tonight. Um, but before we get any further, I just want to ask God to speak to us, to speak into our hearts and lives, to anoint, to do his work. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us. God, this is your church. This is your word. These are your prophetic words. God, change us. May we know you better tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Know you better. Um, so, so Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 comes right at the end of the tale of Isaiah chapter 8. And some would say that Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1 would really be best have been added to the end of chapter 8. People later on in history put chapter numbers in. They put verse numbers in. Somebody decided to pick this spot, but it comes right at the end of chapter 8. In chapter 9, verse 1 here, it says, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be as it were in her vexation, when at the first he lightly afflicted the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward did more, did more grievously afflict her by the way of the sea beyond Jordan in Galilee of the nations." And then we receive this prophetic word. It says, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that land, dwell in the land of shadow of death, upon them the light hath shined. They that walked in darkness have seen a great light. This is a prophetic word that is fulfilled in the New Testament. We can see in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Now that after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee. This is the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. And preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Matthew chapter 4 verse 12 also reiterates the same thing. And it says, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast in prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea coast, in the borders of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. And in the New Testament it says, Isaiah, which is Isaiah. So if any of you ever wondered, man, where's that book of Isaiah? I'd like to know that. It's Isaiah. It's just the New Testament was translated from Greek. Has anybody named their ch child Isaias? No. <laughs> nope, I've only ever heard Isaiah. And I'm only planning to use the name Isaiah if I were naming a child, by the way. I would encourage that tonight. I would encourage that. But Isaias the prophet saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region, the shadow of death, death light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What I see Isaiah here, all those years before, he has been charged by God and he is delivering words of judgment. He is delivering words that, when I say judgment, they're words of, You're going to suffer. You're going to be overtaken. God is done with your sin. But Isaiah's words of judgment come 
immediately with hope. It's not going to be as bad as it was before. When I read this, my mind sailed all the way back, no pun intended, but to Noah and the ark. And when I go back into the book of Genesis, I see Genesis chapter 6, verse 6, it says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that the, every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and the beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. When God encountered sin back in the book of Genesis, and he said judgment has to fall, you can almost see him, his hands up in his hair, and he's just like, no, no, no. There's, look at mankind. I had put out this great plan. I, 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 I made this earth. I, I, I formed man out of the dust of the earth. I was interested in every intricacy about him. I breathed into him the breath of life. And now look what mankind has done. It's only evil continually. Look at, and, and, and he looked across the earth and all that he saw was sin. And he's like, I've just got to end it. I've got to destroy it. But then it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When I looked at Isaiah and I looked at Noah, I thought, God saw sin and I need to be done with it. But then he found a man that would live for him. Noah found grace. And so God gave Noah a mission and he built a boat and it was to the saving of his family. It was the saving of uh, um, his three sons, their three daughters, and his wife and Noah. That's all that was saved. But God said, I don't have to end this project. I don't have to end this, this thing that we're doing here. But when I get into the book of Isaiah, I see right away that we have a man, Isaiah, and when he goes and he's delivering judgment, we see that Isaiah has gotten into the presence of God. We talked about that last week in, uh, um, in Isaiah chapter 6 when it said, In the year that the king Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah had gotten into the presence of God. And when you get into the presence of God, you get hope and you get a message of salvation. Every one of these prophets in here, they delivered a word from God. They delivered heavy words from God of, of destruction and of, of judgment. And that's because of the words they delivered. Every time I think of the word judgment, I think of suffering. I think of, oh man, I've done something wrong now. You know, judgment can also be a positive, actually. You know, Trevor, if somebody punched you in the face and broke your nose, and now somehow it ended up in court, and we're here today, and this man that punched you in the face is found guilty of punching you in the face, you're going to be like, justice was served, judgment was delivered. My nose, at least, I've exacted judgment, not revenge, judgment, right? And so in their sense, you'd think, oh, man, that was positive. And, and if somebody awarded you some money because of what you just suffered, you'd say, hey, I, judgment was issued and I received some, some money here. One day we're going to stand before the king and he's going to look out and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Oh, when you've repented of your sins and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with His Spirit, committed your life to God, and you have been, and when you've fallen down, you've got back to God and you said, God, I, I can't leave you. I can't forsake you. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. And when you have made your mind up that I'm going to walk with God, and when I fall down, I'm getting back up, you're going to find one day that it's not because of what you did, but because of his grace and mercy that you said yes to and that you stayed with and didn't walk away from, that God is going to say, well done. And the devil over there, he's going to say, but, 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 but. And he's going to want to have accused you, but it'll be too late because judgment will come for him. And when judgment falls on him, he has no out. So judgment doesn't have to be scary. If you've given your life to God. But judgment in the book of Isaiah. Unlike before Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Immediately comes with this message of hope. The people that walked in darkness. Have seen a great light. The people that walked in darkness. Have seen a great light. I drop down to verse 6. What is that great light? Now I know these passages are familiar to everyone here tonight. And I'm probably only, I'm not reading anything new to you. But I just thought tonight we needed to stir up our memories of what Isaiah brought out. And what was this message? What was this great light? Verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Who's that son? Last week we briefly made mention of the prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us. We can see that in the book of, Eman in the book of Matthew that he said this is Emmanuel, God with us. Unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. You know, we could spend all night tonight right there. The government, the authority, the one who's in charge. Oh, he has all power. Jesus Christ. Oh, the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. I don't know. If I, if I were some of those people back then, and I begin to hear that word... You know, this message is for you. I don't know where you're suffering at tonight. I don't know what struggle you've gone through. But can you just hear that word tonight? That we serve a, a Savior, Jesus Christ. And he has all the authority. And his name is Wonderful. Counselor. My daddy, he's the counselor. He's the mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. If you ever really wondered who Jesus is, for unto us a child is born. And what is his name going to be? What is he going to be called? His name shall be called the Everlasting Father. Who's Jesus? What was this child born in a manger? He's the Prince of Peace. Oh God, I'm struggling right now in my home. God, it feels like it's chaos everywhere in my world. And he's the one that stood on the end of the boat and said, peace, be still. Oh, but I think even more importantly in that passage, 
Before he said, peace be still, he was asleep in the back of the boat. He was with them all the way. Now, he wasn't sleeping because he just plumb forgot that there was something out there. But Jesus is laying there and things are unfolding. Can't you just see it? <laughs> They're back there. Brother Kennedy, he's snoozing and he's faking it, right? <laughs> you know, he's laying back there and he... he and, and they're like, oh man, get another bucket. Get that water out of here. Boy, should somebody wake up Jesus? Oh man, his ministry's been hard. And he's snoring back there. And they're scooping out more water. And Peter's like, wait, wake him up. No, John says, don't wake him up. Just try to scoop out the water. How can he sleep in the middle of this storm? And I can just see him back there. His hands are behind his head. His eyes are closed. And he's like, <laughs> don't, don't they know I'm right here in their boat? Because the Prince of Peace was already there. And, and, and that's the same for you today. You think that you're going through a storm. And yes, you are. But you go ahead and tell your storm, you don't have me. You're not overtaking my boat because I have Jesus right here. I have the Prince of Peace. You're facing a struggle. You're facing issues on your job. You have the Prince of Peace. It says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Kingdoms are going to fall away. Nations are going to collapse. You know, we talked about it last night, Trevor. Jobs and companies. Oh, God has blessed them because he has blessed his people. But when he's done using them as a blessing, he's like, okay, I'm done with that. He, he, he doesn't need to say, oh my, that was a great catastrophe. Chase Bank just ended. What do you know? Oh, Wow. You know, we heard a while back of businesses that were too big to fail. <laughs> really? Really? Mm -hmm. I was like, I, was, was God up there? Did you just hear that? You know, I'm, he probably didn't even pay it any mind, but he's like, did you just hear that? Somebody said they were too big to fail. <laughs> uh, look at that. I have the cattle on a thousand hills. They're too big to fail. Don't they know I got this? The increase of his government, there shall be no end. In peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth forever. And then it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Oh, I looked at that word zeal. Because sometimes zeal is the wrath of God. He is like, no, I will not stand for sin. But in this case, it is the passion of God. And the passion of God in the middle of judgment was saying, I am bringing hope and salvation. For unto us a child is born. You know, it was going to be many, many years before that child would be born. And all these people would be dead and they would be gone. And not one of them would live to see this hope and salvation and yet God in his excitement, as, as the, the word needs to go out, and he's like, okay, Isaiah, you need to deliver the word. But as you're delivering that word, you need to go ahead and tell them. And it's not just going to be for them, but it's going to be for the next one, and for the next one, and for the next one, until it gets there into the book of Matthew, that there's going to be a child born. I've got hope and salvation, and they can hold on to it, and they might not see it in their day, but it's going to come. It's going to happen. And in this land where there's destruction and judgment, things are going to change. And Jesus, he walked into that land of Naphtali and Zebulun. He walked into Galilee. And he began to cast out devils. He began to set across the sea and find legion to speak a word into his life. 
he began to break the bread. And he began to call out of this land that saw darkness his disciples. He began to fill up um, um, nets full of fish. And then he said, what I'm doing right now with the fish, I want to do to men. I want to reach people. The zeal of God. The zeal of God. And so I haven't gone through it, selected every prophetic word here in the book of Isaiah 1 because of time, 2, because I want to touch on them later on. But Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42 says, Behold my servant, verse 1, whom I behold, uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fall, nor be discouraged, till he hath set judgment in the earth, and the isles shall wait for his law. And I want to drop down to verse 6. It says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give for thee a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison and them that set in darkness out of the prison house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 similarly says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Verse 2 begins with, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And as Jesus did all those years ago, he opened up the book and then he paused right there. Because that next part is for the next chapter in the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. What do we see out of these two prophetic words? To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison and them that sat in darkness out of the prison house. Oh, this exciting word from God. What is, what, what is the arm of the Lord? To whom is it revealed? Oh, Jesus. Oh, to un, unto us a child is born. He was going to walk, Isaiah was saying. He was going to come in. He was going to go to those that set in darkness. Those who spiritualize. I'm not even just talking physical eyes. But oh, the greater blindness, that blindness of spiritual eyes. And he was going to unblind them. He was going to set those that were bound by sin free. Oh, we have a joy, we have a hope, we have an excitement. God said, I'm going to do this. The book of Isaiah is exciting. It's, it's full of hope. Oh, throughout all the judgment, there's hope, 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 hope. The acceptable year of the Lord. So that brings me to Isaiah 53. Because in all this excitement of this child that would be born, in all this excitement of the prisoner being set free, the blinded eyes being opened, if you were reading this word, 
you might have been like the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. In this story, there was the evangelist Philip. And Philip had been having mighty revival in Samaria. And God said, you know what, there's a bunch of preachers here right now, Philip. I think we have this mission. Now, that's not literally what God said, okay? Um, What God did, though, but he said, hey, Philip, I need you. And he sent him down to a desert. Because there was a man in a chariot that had opened up to the book of Isaiah. And I don't know how much pa- many passages that man, that eunuch, that Ethiopian eunuch had read. But he was riding along and he was puzzled up. Because he gets here to Isaiah chapter 53, which we opened up with. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. And as he began to read this, he began to say, I don't understand it. Perhaps he had already read about about the other passages, about this child that would be born, about how this Savior that was going to come, all the great things that he was going to, how he was going to deliver hope and salvation and and how he was going to change lives and how he's going to enter this place and this nation that was bound up and had been taken captive. But the way, the the how, how are you going to deliver? I I see the deliverance that's going to occur. I I see this one that's going to come. But how are you going to do this? Isaiah says, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Paul in Romans chapter 10 verse 16, he says, But have they not all obeyed the gospel? For Isaiah saith, Lord... Who hath believed our report? Paul was writing, he was saying, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But he was reflecting on the Jewish people. And he was saying, who, who, have have they not all believed, obeyed the gospel? Have they not obeyed, all obeyed the gospel? You see, the Jewish nation was presented with the prophetic word of God. And yet when the prophetic word of God showed up on the earth, they didn't believe it. They didn't see it. Who hath believed our report? Oh, for Isaiah, that answer could have been at the time. Nobody. They didn't see it for who it was. They didn't grasp who this one was that was going to come and bring salvation and hope. Who was going to be a light in the middle of the darkness. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Oh, what is this arm of the Lord? What is it? Oh, we see it revealed right here in Isaiah chapter 53. And it was, it was what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading. I'm going to go ahead and read it first out of Acts chapter 8. In verse 32 it says, when Philip came to him, he said, hey, he says, what's going on here? And he says, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired that Philip would come and set with him. And the place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shear. So opened he not his mouth. Verse 33 says in his humiliation and his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life was taken from the earth. 
If you flip back to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, it says, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Who's this hope and salvation? Who's this one that's going to do it? It's somebody that when you looked at him in the flesh, there wasn't going to be anything pretty about him. Oh, he wasn't going to look handsome and sharp. He wasn't going to be head and shoulders above everyone. Oh, what was this mighty hope of salvation going to look like? Oh, what was this one that Isaiah declared in the middle of the darkness? He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. A few weeks ago I came to you on a Sunday morning and I talked to you about afflicted by God. When we talked that Sunday morning, we talked about how we first started with the Israelites and how they had fallen into sin and, and through the affliction that sin brought, it turned them back towards God. That God used affliction in their life to save them, to turn them around, to help them to see that I need God. And because of the affliction of sin, if we, because of being afflicted by God, we can thank God tonight for letting us to suffer so that we would know that we needed salvation and weren't bound by sin. Can we go ahead and just thank Him for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, for all the struggle I went through so that I could see you. So that I could see you. But the answer... To our deliverance. The answer to the arm of the Lord being revealed. The answer to the right hand, the power of God. Was that God would come in the flesh. And that the man, Jesus Christ, would be afflicted. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given. Surely he hath borne our griefs. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God. Oh, he shall be called the Prince of Peace. Oh, a great light hath shined in the darkness. Oh, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace, the Prince of Peace, was upon Him. And with His stripes were healed. Oh, what was the answer to our sin what did God need to do so that we would not have to suffer the consequences of sin? 
we learn in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, for the price of sin is death. Dana, every last sin I ever committed, I deserve to die for. If God had intended to go ahead and make humanity pay for sin, it would just have happened right there in the beginning of the garden. The greatest lie that Satan tried to propagate was surely you won't die. Surely, surely you won't die, but you'll be as God, knowing good and evil. It could have happened right there. God could have said, just like when he looked down and he saw the wickedness of man in Noah's day, and he's like, i got to end it. God could have just said, no, I'm done. I'm through with it. Everything that each and every one of us deserved. I, I, I think sometimes we get used to it. Yeah, but God saved me. He filled me with the Holy Ghost. It was so great. No, we deserve to die. There's not one thing that we deserve. If somebody says, I don't deserve this pain and suffering, hold on. I don't deserve the mercy and grace and joy in the middle of the storm. I do not deserve healing. I, I, I don't want to give anybody a guilt trip tonight, but I didn't deserve one blessing. I didn't deserve one bit of deliverance. I didn't want, deserve one bit of excitement and thrill. I deserve to die. But Adam and Eve were there, and God did not take their life that day. And He offered instead to them the ability to take a lamb and to slay it. God first clothed them in the bloody hides of animals. Something died that day. And God began to teach humanity that yes, death occurs because of sin. Death occurs because of sin. But he began to put into there, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. Eve out of the one that Adam said there's going to be life, he told that woman, you're going to have a seed, singularly. That seed is going to crush the head of Satan. It's going to bruise his heel, but you have hope. Isaiah declared, clearly declared all of this. But to receive that hope, if it wasn't you that was going to suffer, then it had to be God. If it wasn't you that was going to suffer, then it had to be God. Jesus went through an examination process just as the, the priests and as the people would select a lamb and, and that lamb would be examined and it would be studied out and it would be separated and then it would be brought to the temple. It would be brought to the tabernacle and it would be brought before the altar and it was this is the lamb that we've decided needs to be sacrificed. And so Jesus came and those Jewish people and, and, and the priests, they stood there before Pilate and they said, that's the one we're picking. They didn't know what they were picking that day, but they said it's him. But before they ever could say it's him, God had said, I've picked my sacrifice. And you know who it is? It's me. Oh, the king of glory said, I'm going to be the one that comes. And I'm going to be the one that's afflicted. And in my humanity, I'm going to go ahead and take every bruise and every beating and every rejection for you. It's the way it has to be. And I'm going to do it. Afflicted by God. Afflicted by God.
He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. But then the prophet writes, he says, writes, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every man, or turned every one to his own way. And the Lord, Trevor, hath laid on him. Everything that you were supposed to take, everything that you deserved, all we like sheep, that word all means all, have gone astray. Oh, hear me. If you have gone ahead and turned your back on God tonight, there's hope here tonight. Jesus is still beckoning and calling. He's saying, I paid the price for you. All we like sheep have gone astray. And the Lord hath laid on him, afflicted by God, the iniquity of us all. The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. What did Isaiah see as he wrote those words? Can you imagine Isaiah, those weren't, I don't think those were just words echoing in his head. He was uh, led as a lamb. Hmm. No, as all this unfolded in front of Isaiah, as he saw it all, all those years before, as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep, before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? Who's going to be his offspring? For he was cut out of the land. And I would ask that tonight then. Because this is what the eunuch read. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. If I was Isaiah, the tears must have fallen from his face. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Verse 9 says, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. The eunuch, as he read this, he wondered, Who is this person? Those words cut through him. Who is this person that did no wrong? Who's this one that had to suffer this way? Who, was it the writer here? Who is this? It shook him. I, who is this person? Who is it? Why did he need to go through this? Oh, we've, some of you have heard this as from being a child. It, 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 it's, we hear it every Christmas. We hear it every Easter. It rings in our heads, but... But go back into the book of Isaiah as you read it this month. Understand what God made the decision that he was going to go through. If I were that eunuch and, and, and I thought, man, you know, Connor, I'd be like, God's doing this to somebody? God has decided that somebody has got to go through this? And not only one, the one that controls the universe, the one that spoke it into existence. He, he said, I'm going to take on humanity. I'm going to come as a child. 
I'm going to be, who is that child? He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. He's the mighty God. Oh, you can't, that, that's one God all the way. Isaiah declared who that child was. In the same breath, he says he would be called the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. God said, I'm going to be the one who does this. And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief. It, the scripture says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. I know that we needed it. But God said when Jesus was there and he prayed in the garden and his humanity, and he says, not my will, but your will be done. He was like, does it have to be this way? In his humanity, he sweat great drops of blood. Does it have to be this way? And God was saying, yes, it does. That's why we're doing this. This is why I put on humanity. Because I got to be afflicted. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. <laughs> right there. Eunuch, what's the answer to the, his generation? He shall see his seed and he shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper his land. As we're bringing this to a close. The eunuch said, I pray thee of whom speaketh this prophet of himself or another man. Then Philip opened his mouth. And began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Who hath believed our report? The people at that time didn't believe. They had the Torah memorized. They understood this word inside and out. And yet they sought to crucify him and kill him as he fulfilled every prophecy. And so I know that many, maybe under the sound of my voice, whether you're here or online, have been filled with His Spirit. But I want to ask you again, do you believe? And if you believe, what are you going to do about it? Because the power and the arm of God is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Romans 1 verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, what was the power of God? It was the affliction of God. As I said several weeks ago, I talked about you needing to be afflicted so that you would turn your heart back towards Jesus Christ. God needed to be afflicted so that he could turn your heart back to him. The power of God was his affliction, and it was his death, his burial, and his resurrection. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Hallelujah. When you get that understanding and you say, I believe God, oh, that he suffered and he suffered for me. You know what? There is no a sin on earth. There is no lie from the pit of hell that is going to be able to pull you back from the saving of Jesus Christ. Because when you say, I, I get it now. He suffered for me. He was bruised for me. He died for me. And you grasp a hold of that gospel. There's nothing that can deliver you from the saving power of, or that can take you from the saving power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can we stand to our feet?
the arm of the Lord. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You know who it's been revealed to? It's been revealed to you. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Jesus died for us. He was afflicted for us. As we close out tonight, if we could close our eyes and if we could remember what he suffered for, it was for you, it was for me, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Oh God, you brought such a great message. You brought such great hope. You brought such excitement. You brought such deliverance. Oh God, you said a light has shined in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the judgment, in the middle of the chaos. You said there's a light that shines in the darkness. And Lord, we heard such joy and such hope. The, the joy and the hope of Christmas, oh God. But that joy and hope was your suffering. God, that joy and that hope, that peace, Lord, was your suffering. Oh, God, taking the affliction of my sin was your suffering. Taking the sickness that would want to plague me both for sin and in my body was your suffering. You were beat for me and you were bruised for me. Oh God, I am recommitting my life to you. I don't want to turn from you. Oh God, I want to turn myself back to you. Jesus, I'm not turning back now towards sin. Oh Lord, we began this service with I'm not turning back now. God, I'm turning away from leading a life of sin. I'm turning away from what the world has to offer. God, I'm turning away from doubting you. I'm turning away, oh God, from the depression, Lord, and wondering, Lord, where you're at. And I'm committing myself to you because a God that would be afflicted for me, a God that would go through everything for me. Lord Jesus, I trust your promises and I give you my faith. Hallelujah. Go ahead, worship him right now. I worship you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, God, whom, to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It's been revealed to me. Lord, when you filled me with your spirit, when you washed away my sins, oh, God, I saw you high and lifted up. Hallelujah. You are holy, oh, God, and you are great. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 So as you read through the book of Isaiah, I would like you to be reminded of that great hope and excitement, but understand that he had to be afflicted and then be shook by that. And remember that he was afflicted for you, and in remembering that, don't turn back to sin. Hallelujah. God bless you. We'll see you again here this Sunday. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.